Welcome to Four Season Podcast. I'm Mary. I'm Courtney. I'm Dami. We are three sisters. We are sisters connected by blood and by marriage. And this podcast is a space we wanted to create as we process what is true for us individually in each season of our lives. Hey everybody, it's Mary here. Episode 5 of our podcast is going to be led by our in-house therapist, Dami Adashina. She is going to guide a conversation about a topic that's relevant to her, which is, is therapy right for you? That's kind of what we hope you take away from this podcast episode, some thoughts and questions about where you are with the idea of therapy But for us, we're going through our journeys, telling stories about when we started with therapy, what we knew about it, why it made sense. So it might not be us cackling the whole time like normal. We'll cackle for a good point of the time. But hopefully this episode becomes kind of a resource that you can come back to as you process this question on your own. All right. As always, enjoy. Hey, everybody. Hey, um, welcome back. Hey, Mary. To Four Season Podcast, y'all. We here. We are what? here. And that is an accomplishment because the sisters are hanging on. <laughs> <laughs> Look, they are hanging on by a thread this episode. <laughs> episode five, y'all. Episode five. Uh, wow. How are we doing? I'm feeling good. That's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Mary, how are you going to tell me Don't how make me I play feel? that B-roll because you know I'm out of that shit. Yeah. I feel, how are you going to tell me how I feel? I feel good. You need to let me finish. Mm-hmm. I feel good. I apologize. Go ahead. <laughs> I, I do. I, I do. I really do. I'm sorry. I, I'm having a new. I feel good. I'm feeling pretty good um, because I think all day today I was out at a baby shower for a friend of mine. And I'm tired because I didn't get any sleep last night. But being with you guys is just like, okay, I know I'm going to get my dose of my sister. So I'm feeling good. That's what's Oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> I love it. Why you don't roll your eyes at me? <laughs> <laughs> I, was trying to be, I was trying to do better. <laughs> yeah, Lee, Courtney, how you doing? I'm, I'm exhausted this week. So last week, you know, I had the flu. And I mm. feel like you have to, re- like, you need to recover and rest after being sick like i feel like after being sick all week and then going to work like my body just did not have time to like rest because you're fighting infection then on monday you got to go back to work and my brain was foggy so today i'm exhausted i had to catch up on schoolwork, and i'm here so i'm exhausted but i'm happy because i get to see y'all like that's that's the highlight of my weekend other than i'm tired I'm, i'm tired i'm exhausted um we here honestly i don't know what's up with me if i'm gonna tell you the truth but i'm here i feel you (laughs) you know what's funny is i was thinking about this when i was uh going through the podcast editing like episode four was the so it will come out right before this in a week like it'll be a week apart but it's been several weeks for us Mm -hmm. so a lot has happened Right between episode four, specifically for me, at episode five, Courtney, you don't really even know what's going on. I'm gonna say this, but we're gonna um, we're gonna actually. Damn, just pause the recording. Can you pause the recording? Oh, 
I'm not even gonna hold you. Uh, that radio signal is me coming in to cut this part out, okay? <laughs> there are some details I had to catch up my sister on that won't make it into this episode, but some of it might make it into episode six, where I will get to lead on a topic that's relevant to me. And I have no idea how that's gonna go, but we'll see. In the meantime, make sure you follow Four Season Podcast on Instagram. Hit us up at fourseasonpodcast at gmail.com and leave a review, please, y'all. Appreciate it. Bye. So, a lot of stuff has happened in the past few weeks that people just wouldn't know about, for me specifically. But because I've had to carve out this time to kind of be like, oh, girl, let's get it together. Um, this is like day two of that. And now I'm like, I automatically felt like I was outside walking my dog today. And I was like, oh, I feel a little not that I feel better because <laughs> I don't. Mm-hmm. But I feel. I felt like I was like uh, when I was <laughs> I was just hovering above my body for the past two weeks. Yeah. But today I was like, oh, OK, I'm outside. Ooh, yeah. Like it's raining. You know, I just like felt very like I aware of what's happening around me. So. Girl, it's a lot. And we could talk more about it. I didn't slide it in there, so we couldn't talk about it. But we could talk more about it, Yeah, you know, after or whenever, you know. But that's what's going on with me, child. So we're here. Um, we here. That's, okay. all, that's all I got. I showed up. So well, I'm, I'm, I'm happy that you showed up. Um, mm-hmm. We'll definitely jump back into that when we got time. Because I don't like mm-hmm. that shit. I don't like that. Me either. <laughs> <laughs> look like she about to fight somebody. Bro, <laughs> I feel like I need to retaliate, but I'm trying to come out no. from under that um hood. So come on now. I, I I love you, and I'm glad you're here. But um, yeah. we could fuck some shit up. You just tell me when you need me to go. I'll pop out. Hey. Here. Um. Okay. Sorry. So, anyways, yes, that okay. is that's where we at. We here. I feel like um, this episode is going to be honest and yeah. and and really reflective of where we at. So I'm glad people know this is where we coming with today, y'all. This is what we got. Right. Um, I think it's going to be good, though. <laughs> this is the portion of the podcast where we go into true or false. This is where we talk about um, what is relevant to us right now that's popular in like maybe major, uh, what do you call it? Mainstream media or um, a cultural norm or societal norm or something. But is it true or false for us in our season of life? That's what we're going to figure out. So Dami came up with another. Dami, you've been driving these true or false little things. Because I just be thinking, why do we do what we do? Why do we do what we do? We're just on the bandwagon. And I'm trying to get off the wagon. Come on. I'm just trying to create my own wagons these days. But yes, I found a true or false. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so a couple <laughs> weeks ago or a month ago I think it's been a while um, there was this phenomenon of all like the perm box girls or box perm girls whatever you want to call them who have been coming out showing you know their pictures when they were on the perm box as well as what they look like today in their hair and the notion behind that was that they never got perms they never used a cream crack they were just getting press, getting their hair pressed, which is taking a hot comb to your hair. I don't know what culture you are from listening Wait to this. Wait a minute. They didn't actually get. <laughs> they never got. Oh, pressed. I missed that. I, I did too. See? I thought it was. Okay, so people who don't know, a perm, black people also will call that a relaxer. So it's or, a relaxer. Or, 
the cream or crack. crack. Or the cream crack. crack. Come on. And it's supposed to relax the texture of your hair. It's it's hyper. I mean, literally, when you would get it on your scalp, it burned. It was yeah. really, really tough. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of us didn't get a choice. You know, you got I started getting uh relaxers in like what elementary school? Right. Mm-hmm. Me too. Yeah. So I, I remember walking through the store and seeing them girls on the boxes and wanting my hair to be like that. Mm-hmm. But I always thought they got relaxers, so I didn't know the trend was that they didn't get them. Mm-hmm. They never um, got relaxers, and I recently had a close friend who has been natural for years, but she decided to get a perm. Really? Um, mm-hmm. For her, it was really out of convenience of just you know trying to take care of her ch- children. I need something quick on the go. You know, it's just easy to manipulate my hair when it's a bit straighter and not Mm -hmm. trying to mess with my curl pattern. So the question is true or false natural hair is better. (laughs) Everybody got quiet. No, (laughs) when we say natural hair, like for example, for people Mm -hmm. who haven't looked at our Instagram, which if you haven't, go follow us (laughs) or see the podcast on Instagram. Okay. Uh, Courtney has locked and so locks count as natural hair, right? Right, definitely. Okay. Yeah. I just I just check it in. When we say natural enough, <laughs> we're thinking like you just wear a natural fro or a uh-huh. natural, you know, curls or like, something. Mm-hmm. Just but you mean like unrelaxed, unprocessed. Unprocessed mm-hmm. hair is better. <sighs> Who wants to go first? Like mm, I still th- I need time. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'd be going hard on these things and People probably like, oh, here we come down. <laughs> you go hard on two of our <laughs> Okay, so lay out the lay out the question for me, and then I'll try to go first. Go ahead. So true or false? Unprocessed hair is better. <sighs> okay, I feel like whatever fits your personality is better for you. Now, me personally. Um, I am very organic and natural with a lot of things that I do. Mm. So I like natural hair. You know, my daughter has natural hair. Just recently, Eden wanted straightened hair and um, because she's about to lock, but she wanted to see her hair. Yes. So um, Eden and EJ are about to lock, but uh, she wanted to see her hair straight for the first time because Eden has natural hair. It's naturally curly. It's naturally poofy and big but she wanted to get her hair straightened in so we could have done a a relaxer or we could have done um what is that the um texturizer Mm -hmm. um but uh we just went and got her a silk press and i feel that that was better for her because chemicals just last for like not forever but too long for me I think that it's a process. Once you get the chemical, then you have to let it grow out and then wash it out and takes a couple of months or a few years for your hair to actually reprogram itself to its natural state. So for me, I just like natural. You can do, you could do a lot with your natural hair. Whether you want it straight or not, you can straighten it. Um, You can press it, you can hot comb it, whatever you like, but I, I, I mean, I guess at the end of the day, it's, it's up to you. However you feel like it fits your personality and do what you need to do, do what makes you happy. But I'm going to go with natural every day, all day. I think that we have the gift of manipulating our hair however we want as colored women. Mm-hmm. I think that um, our, our, our hair pattern is naturally beautiful in its own state from the beginning. Um, there's a lot of things that we can do with our hair that other cultures and other races cannot. 
So mm -hmm. I think the natural state is beautiful and you can manipulate it however you want without getting the chemicals. But however you feel, you know, do, do what makes you happy at the end of the day. I feel like to, for what, is it true or false for me in this season of life? Then yeah, it's true. But it wasn't always the case. Mm -hmm. I went natural my senior high school and then I went through college. Um, my hair was really, I mean, my natural hair really like, it was down the back. Like I really was doing that thing. I was like, oh my God, you know? And then I remember moving to DC, but being a part of, a, like, I was literally one of like two black people for miles in this community I was a part of. And I remember during that time I got a relaxer. And I didn't realize it. I didn't think about the fact that, oh, maybe my environment has pushed me to do this. I didn't think about that until a friend that my own, one of my only black friends at that time was like, do you think mm, there's a reason why you chose to do this now? But I felt like it was because it was harder because like I couldn't find beauty supplies. I couldn't find anybody to braid my hair. I couldn't find it. It was like, it's so hard to maintain this natural hair. Then, um, so yeah. So I want to say it is true for me right now, but I don't know that it will always be true. When it comes to, yeah, when it comes to my hair, I go through, I go back and forth. I do think, I agree with Courtney in the sense that like for the overall health of my body, um, I remember the difference of, I remember the lasting effect of getting um, relaxers and it going wrong <laughs> or not doing it like, we're supposed to be touching up the roots with that little stuff. People don't know what a relaxer looks like. It was literally, they call it creamy crack because it's like creamy, white, um like like a like a paste mm -hmm. and you're supposed to touch up your roots you know because your hair is already relaxed but it's going to keep growing and then it comes in naturally you're supposed to touch that up a little bit we was putting that stuff on the whole head we, <laughs> what were we doing <laughs> <laughs> we put a thing on the whole head that just burn and you're supposed to like let it tingle and then don't let it start don't oh my goodness i'm having flashbacks <laughs> Don't let it start tingling and somebody else is doing that thing and they busy. Don't let it start tingling and the soup on the stove start boiling over and mama go <laughs> and you wait, don't try to bother her either, get slapped. It was just like, oh my goodness. So I remember doing my own relaxer one time. This is one of the last relaxers I ever got before I went natural. And this half of my hair broke off. Mm. And then the whole texture changed. And for years. Like, I think even to this day, I notice a difference from this side of my hair to that side of my hair. And that was so mm. many years ago. It had to be like yeah. six or over six years ago. So, um, yeah, but I will say that in the future, it could change. Like, I've always wanted to shave my head and do a little little look, a little slick down look situation. Never know. So, mm. um, yeah, I think it's, it's true for me. Natural hair is the way. But I just want to give, I just want to acknowledge that that junk is hard being natural is not easy yeah, it's right. a lot of work and a lot of time and i want to i go through sh wanting to shave my head um once every three months <laughs> I feel so, it. it just so i just want to throw that out there so people don't feel like we'd be like or for me anyway i don't people, i don't want them to feel like i'm like oh just do it because it's yeah. hard, it's hard. Yeah. but i feel like the mm -hmm. beauty industry especially when it comes to black women made it made it makes it difficult right like mm. Courtney mentioned, being able to manipulate your hair however you want. But like there's a cost 
to manipulate 100%. your hair. No yeah. one, to, you don't go to school to learn how to braid or, you know, all of these things. There is no class specifically for how to maintain your hair, your curl pattern or whatever the case may be. It costs. And I was just having a conversation today of like, you know, I just had some box braids down to my butt. I paid 160, but that's not even the case. Nowadays, people pay $500. Who got that? Right. Literally, it though, it literally that like at? 300 minimum. For right. That's so wild. it's wild. So I'm just like, there, why this, ex- you know, extreme cost? And it's within the community. It's not like mm-hmm. white people charging, you know, $300 for some box braids for, for you. It's within the community, um, that process, but also like a lack of skill and just knowledge to be able to manipulate the hair so i think on your own hair right like i don't know how to braid and i got if i got four daughters what am i supposed to do right right somebody getting this creamy crack (laughs) no just (laughs) no you ain't real (laughs) (laughs) that's that's a lot okay so for me if i answer that question um is unprocessed hair what was it bad? Was that the question? The better. <laughs> I think it's better. Yeah, I think unprocessed hair is definitely better because I think perms, they work in a way to where they damage the shape of your natural curl mm. pattern. Mm-hmm. So that's deep. That is. That's, mm-hmm. that's stripping away how my hair was just supposed to be. Courtney about the shout. It cannot Listen. hold its mm-hmm. natural shape. So for the fact that I'm intentionally doing this to myself to like undo something, um, that's a problem. So I'm just like, no, it's probably not. So it's like, I rather for me, take the time to learn, to educate myself, even though no one Mm -hmm. has taught me to see what works best. Yes, it takes a lot of time, but I have to embrace all of my beauty and my hair included. Um, That's a big part of it. And um, I think also being busy as a mom, you know, I, I just rock braids. These braids I had, I had them in for eight weeks. And this past week, I had a headband around so you couldn't see the edges. <laughs> <laughs> no, those braids look good for a long time. She did. Yeah, I like those braids a lot, actually. So I, like, I'm just making words. So now I'm thinking, okay, how do I, how do I, what do I do next? What's the style I'm going to do next? Or whatever. Maybe I need to wear my hair natural for a little bit and do some flat twist or whatever the case may be. But I think unprocessed hair is best simply because it allows me to simply show up and be me. And I think when I saw um, Michelle Obama at the revealing of her and Barack's image at the White House recently or their portrait, um, and she brought them braids, I said, oh, girl, I miss you so much. She had braids in? She had braids. Let me go look at it. Yeah, it looked, I think it was, they looked like either box braids and then she had it back in kind of like, you know, formal bun type of thing, or they either were Senegalese twists, um, one of the two, but she looked really, really good. And so I was just like, oh, okay. Like that was just a fresh a breath air or breath of fresh air. It, it just felt good. I don't know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> I'd be working for these large white nonprofits that, um, be trying to have these conversations around like race and culture and all that stuff and representation and I get in mixing these conversations where people are like well what is it when you know that basically white people who are like want to be as they put it allies um in supporting black people or creating space for black people to show up as we are specifically let's say for with our hair and wanting to understand 
why these things bother us the way that they do or why are they so heavy? And I've said this several times and I just want to say like, I think at the core of this whole like natural hair versus relaxed hair and which is better and what suits your life. For me at the core is like, I think about the fact that I, in getting a relaxer, it's taking away a choice. Mm. And I think when I have these conversations with, with white people specifically, I'm saying, when I walk into a room, I need you to understand that I immediately lose choices mm. just because of how I look and show up. And I'm forced into conversation. I'm forced into certain interactions when I just want to walk in the room. Mm. And so what, when you ask for permission to have a conversation with me, when you ask for permission to touch me, when you ask, you're giving me my choice back. Right. And that's what I should have had in the first place. And so I feel like with the hair conversation, for me, I think what y'all are trying to do as parents um, is what I'm hearing is like, I'm giving choice. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think with the natural hair, this is how it was when you came out, baby. This is what you got. Yeah. And, you know, when you get to a certain point, you get to make choices. As you know, we're helping you along the way, but we're helping you to decide, learn how to make choices so that you can make choices with your own hair, with your own body, with yourself. And that's deep. Like yeah. that's deep, deep right there. And I feel like, um, I hope that's a takeaway that somebody gets from this conversation that, so especially people who are maybe outside of the black community who don't understand why we're even talking about this. It's like, that's kind of the at a root of, of for me, where this is coming from. So, so just just this year, and I know this is kind of crazy, right? Mm. Tennessee passed a law to end all hair discrimination. Oh, I which that. it's crazy, right? Like to yeah. even know that there was discrimination against like hiring people, but based mm. off of what their hair looked like. So the mm -hmm. fact that they just passed a law in 2022 to not discriminate on your hair, aka natural hair for Black women or Black mm -hmm. men, it's mm. crazy to me. So go mm. ahead and do your thing. We have like freedom and reign to do what we want to do with our hair. Go dye it purple. Go in there with a fro. Get your locks. Get your cornrows. Whatever you want. Do it because we can. Period. There you go. Period. Come on. <laughs> well, I like purple. I, <laughs> <laughs> I like purple hair. All right, John. Um, our topic for tonight, uh, in a previous episode, um, we introduced this idea that we want to create space for each of us to share on topics that are relevant to our season of life. Courtney did an amazing job walking us through talking about thriving after trauma. And so tonight, our sister Dami is going to take the floor. So Dami, you got it. Lead us, lead us, girl. Uh, I feel like sister <laughs> Dami sounds like a church. <laughs> it is. It is. Sister Dami. We're going to pass a, a collective plate of a love offering. Uh, I'll take that. I'll take that. <laughs> oh, you want church now? <laughs> I love church. Hallelujah. <laughs> So tonight we are going to be talking about therapy. Um, for those of you who do not know, I am a licensed professional counselor by profession and I've been licensed for um, a little over six years. And although I am a therapist, um, that wasn't always the case. Um, and I think when I think about today's society and where we are and how therapy is accepted currently. That wasn't always the case in our culture as well. I believe 2020 created a movement where people simply had to pause, be still and be silent. And in the silence, they discovered some things that they didn't like about 
the situations or patterns of behaviors or conversations with spouses or children or conflict arose, right? It was already there, but I think 2020 heightened it. So I feel like 2020 propelled people, more people into therapy, but there's still a lot of people who are hesitant about that. So today's conversation is uncovering the layers of our relationship with therapy um, in hopes that it'll help a listener um, make a decision as to whether or not therapy is for you or it is not for you. Because to be honest, therapy is not for everybody. There are different types of different things. And while I do believe it's a great practice to have, um, sometimes I get clients where it's like, baby, you're just not ready. I'm not going to do the work for you. I'm not a magician, even though, you know, they say black girls got magic. I don't have a magic wand. I can't make your problems go away. So how do you know when it's ready, when it's time for you to go? How do you know when you're ready to process and uncover um, a bit of things around that? So Mm -hmm. I have some questions for my sisters here tonight, and I think I just kind of want to start with giving our audience a bit of context. Um, So we'll start with you, Mary. So the question is, what is your relationship with therapy? Um, Did you grow up hearing that word? Are you currently in therapy? How did you make the choice to go all of that jazz? Give it to us. Well, I just want to say thank you for choosing me. Um, to go first, I'm honored. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, okay, my relationship with therapy. I have a really good relationship with therapy because I feel like I, I have to. Mm. Um, so did I grow up hearing the word? No, I don't remember hearing the word. I think maybe college. Um, when I was a sophomore in college, it's not that I didn't hear about therapy before then, but when I started to really hear it, like genuinely like receive and, and absorb other people's experiences with it, that was in college. So my sophomore year of college was probably the hardest year, one of the hardest years of my life. In that year, my dad died, my brother deployed to Afghanistan, my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer. And so in that time, I remember certain people offering me resources um, and I didn't take them, but I, it was the first time I considered them. And then it wasn't until a few years later when I moved to DC. And um, in that time I was doing, I was working in ministry and I had these mentors um, that, kind of kept dropping little <laughs> suggestions. I know in the back of your mind, they were like, child, you need therapy. But they knew me and I was, and back in those days, I was swing for no reason. So they had to come at me easy. Um, and so they they wanted me to come back and serve another year on staff. Um, and someone on that team suggested therapy. So the church helped cover the cost for me to go to therapy. And so that was my first, that was my first time going um, I was 23. I think I was 23 at that time, 22 or 23. And so, um, since then, <clears throat> since then I've had, I think four therapists. And the reason being I've moved so much in my twenties and every time I move, it's not just towns and states. And then therapists have, they have certain states they can practice within, blah, blah, blah. So I, start a new relationship with a therapist 
Um, and so I'm on my fourth therapist right now. Um, making the choice to go was, like I said in the beginning, I feel like not that I didn't have a choice, but after a while, I just felt like I couldn't do it. I couldn't understand how everybody else could keep going with all the things that they dealt with in their past and all of the things happening in their present and all the pressure from their future. Like, how do y'all deal with all of this? And then I realized when I got to know, I did a fellows program at DC and this is, I was the only, it was 12 of us. I was the only black girl or black person in that group. Um, and there were very different experiences amongst the group, but I realized, oh, when we all shared our stories, everybody don't have the same experiences as me and everybody didn't have the same starting point and I didn't get the same toolkit. And whether that's fair or unfair, I need some tools. Like I can't do this. I don't know how to be close to people because I feel like swinging all the time. I was just mad and I thought that was normal. So yeah, the choice to go felt like to live, to be able to do life, um, maybe, I need some different tools that I didn't get. And that's not a fault of my own. I didn't understand that at first and I still work through that now. Um, but yeah, that was my choice to go. And I think I keep returning um, because as Dami mentioned, she said something like, maybe you're not ready for counseling. You know, when she has some clients come in, they don't seem to be ready. And I think I've gone through periods where I was intensively going to counseling. It was the focus of my life and then seasons change either I move or I just need to apply some skills or something and I just wasn't ready to do the work and right now even with things that have happened in the past few weeks that I'm processing um <laughs> my counselor was like listen I got a lot of suggestions but you let me know okay when you're ready and we'll get to it I'll give it I was like you know I just feel like she's like mm -mm, nope give it a week We'll, we'll come back next week. We'll see how you're doing. So I've had almost every counselor be like, maybe you're not ready for this. So there's always some resistance, but, but um, anyhow, I feel like when I've, when I've stuck to it, it's because I was, and when I've stepped out of it, because I wasn't where I needed to be. And that's fine. So um, the choice to go back is because, oh, I'm at a new level that I can't process through. What's happened to me doesn't make sense with what I understand about the world. I need somebody to help me with this. So that's why mm -hmm. I made a choice to go. Um, to go back over time. So that's kind of my context for therapy. Mm. What, what I'm hearing you like talk about or say is that, you know, although I didn't engage with this word therapy or understand the practice, you said I was absorbing other people's experience with it. To mm -hmm. so me, like, mm, there's a, there's something here that I ain't getting and I want to possibly get that. Um, as well. I think right. it's really important because the, the question oftentimes for people could be, how do I engage when no one around me is doing it? I remember not one time, you know, my mom offering therapy for me either after, you know, they my parents divorced or, you know, I got bullied at school or whatever the situation may be. That wasn't an option. It was just kind of like, get pick yourself up and keep moving, keep thriving or whatever. Mm -hmm. Sorry, we're not thriving, but just keep going. Mm -hmm. um, so now entering this world and, and what I'm trying to say, well, now entering to a space where you found a lot of things going on in your life that wasn't, um, you felt like was out of your control, just kind of like, how do you balance that? So mm -hmm. 
uh, I want to point out that it's important who you surround yourself around because I wonder if it wasn't for these people who were offering you resources or sharing their experience with therapy, would you even engage? Would that have even been a thing or an opportunity? So right. who you are around, who you listen to, who you um, take in mm-hmm. matters, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. especially as it relates to therapy. Absolutely. Courtney, what is your experiences? You know, I was listening to Mary and she said that she had never been introduced to therapy as a child. And for me, I know last episode we talked about um, my story and my history of my sexual abuse um, in my childhood. And I actually went to therapy as a child. And um, yeah, man, I know it's crazy. So I started going to therapy at the age of probably about, about 10 after the first incident that happened in my trauma. And even in that therapy, it was it was not receptive for me. So I had I I heard about therapy. I knew about therapy, but it was not a therapy that was penetrating for me. I think I did not um, really come to terms and I did not make a relationship with therapy until I was an adult. I remember actually going to trauma therapy. Now there's so many different type of therapists that you can go to. You know, I went through marriage counseling. Um, even back when I was 10, I went through therapy through like, um, what do you call it, defects? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, and it was nowhere near the type of therapy that I felt could, p- could penetrate the trauma that I had endured. Um, so when I was 32, 31 is when I actually had therapy that um, made a movement in my life. That's when I was actually able to um, grasp it and um, entertain it. Um, back in 2020, I I don't want to call it a relapse, but um, mm. for a long time, I didn't think that my trauma was triggering me in any areas of my life. I was going through life and thought that life was sweet and rainbows and Skittles. 2020, there was an incident that happened between um, some members in my family that triggered something in my trauma that I had no idea was even there. Um, And I met with a therapist, a trauma therapist that diagnosed me with PTSD. And she diagnosed me with anxiety. She diagnosed me with depression. and that was the first time that I ever felt engaged with therapy, um, although I had had therapy since I was 10. Um, so my relationship with therapy is is great. I think that um, in the last couple of years, I've grown tremendously. Um, um, being able to thrive within my trauma has been amazing because of the therapist that I have as an adult. Um, so I'm very, um, connected to therapy now. Now I don't go as much as I did. I think back in 2020, I was going at least once a week for a year and a half. I needed it. I went through EMDR. Um, I went through, um, just a lot of trauma therapy just to get me out of the hole that I fell into back in 2020. Um, to today, um, just, I, I don't, I only go maybe once a month. Um, it's, it's been a while since I met my therapist because my schedule is so busy, but I, I know that there has been growth because of the type of therapist that I decided to engage with. And, um, and I'm so grateful for that. So, yeah. Courtney, what did your, cause you talked about starting therapy when you were 10 years old. However, 
um, you didn't feel like you got anything from it or something mm-hmm. to that effect. What did your 10 year old girl need in that therapy room session with that therapist that she didn't get? I think the 10 year old me needed to feel safe. Mm-hmm. I think that particular therapist was doing her job. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that I probably had maybe two sessions to talk about what actually happened um, when I was 10. And, mm-hmm. um, and I, and it felt like she just needed to write it down, um, mm-hmm. get it entered into the system. And then we go to the next person. So I didn't feel safe enough. And maybe that was just me not being able to trust my therapist completely. She didn't look like me. She didn't mm-hmm. sound like me. Mm-hmm. Um, um, she wasn't familiar. So mm-hmm. at that, at that period in my life, I just wasn't comfortable with talking to anybody about what happened. So I mm-hmm. think what I needed was just safety. Um, I needed security. I needed assurance that this person is going to help me get out of my situation. And that is not what I felt. And I also went through like Christian counseling through my church. We went to, went to therapy. And I think that, you know, hats off to Christian counselors. You know, I think that they try to do what they are taught to do and what they believe, but it's nothing like a trauma therapy who can get down to the root of the issue and help you to grow and um, weed out any traumas and walk you through your journey. Um, I think that's needed. So I, I definitely feel like back then I didn't have that. I don't think, I don't think I had the resources that I have now um, to actually get through my trauma. Mm-hmm. That's, that's beautiful. I, okay. So for me, my relationship with therapy is so interesting. Um, <laughs> Cause I think that when I was, um, well, let me back up. When I was in college, I did not major in psychology. Um, I majored in public relations and I minored in African studies. At that time, I really, I thought I wanted to work in social work. And I went to um, ask like one of the ladies that worked in the social work department, um, kind of like an informational interview to understand about the field. Um, Cause I thought I was going to be like an LMSW or something, but she kind of alluded to like, there's no money here, you know, don't do it or something to that effect. So I just was not engaged. But I know I, I know what I wanted to be in a helping field. But I just didn't know what that would look like. So I didn't I didn't know nothing about no therapy um, at that time, which is which is really interesting. I heard of like counseling, like yeah, they do that at church, like you know. And counseling right. at church was when you need the pastor. You gotta go tell the pastor all your business. So they can tell you how bad you are. Mm-hmm. So that was my perception of counseling. I don't even think the word therapy was like what's that. It was just like, you know, you go tell your pastor all your business and they tell you, you know, uh, how, how bad you are and how much God don't like you and all these things in nature. So why would I want any part of that? Um, so went on, <sighs> graduated. Um, oh, actually, while I was in college, I disclosed to, um, I think, oh, oh, yeah, I disclosed to my OB. I had to go to the health clinic for something at the time that I had a past of sexual trauma and she referred me to a therapy and I was like mm-hmm. what you talking about white lady what is this I went to one session and that session they explained to me they asked me what confidence do I understand confidentiality and I was like yeah and then she was trying to get me to talk and I was like why am I here like what are you what is this like mm-hmm. I don't know you because you mentioned like this woman did not sounding or looking like you at all Courtney so I was like girl get out my face like what do you know about me or my world or where I came from or things of that nature so I, I closed the idea to it so fast forward to um, graduating, got a job working in teaching. So it was when I was a teacher, I was a teacher for five years. 
in that profession was when I decided that I really wanted to be a therapist because I would have so many students come to me to ask me about um, or give them advice or talk about the real you know issues that they were going through and dealing with. And as a teacher, I was restricted um, as to how I can help and support them. I was not licensed. I was just a teacher. Mm-hmm. So I thought I wanted to be a school counselor. But once I got into my master's program, um, realizing like, actually, I wanted to go broader and the dream grew from there. But I say all that to say, having someone who looks or sounds like you in a therapeutic space matters, you know, uh-huh. yeah. earlier in this podcast, Mary talked about walking into a room as a woman of color and immediately as you step in, so many things are taken away from you, right? Be it, you know, your hair, you know, your tone, your voice, the way you look, like whatever the case may be. So if I'm walking to a space of therapy, I need to feel accepted. Mm -hmm. I need to be able to let my guards down. I need to not have to fight you or control your perception of me so that I can go through and really get into the crevices of this cave within me so that, you know, I can find the light or see the light. It does matter to find somebody of color like you, which leads me to my next question. Um, a couple of months back when I like, I started my practice in July um, and I posted maybe two months after that about reasons why Nigerians need therapy. You can go and find this post um, on my IG at Ereti Counseling, I-R-E-T-I Counseling. Um, and it was talking about six reasons why Nigerians need therapy. So they are comparison was used as a motivator. Your interests and talents were not developed. Religion or prayer was the answer to everything. Perfectionism was a way of rewarding secrets was the family norm. And then discipline was just extreme and harsh. I want to know for you ladies, which if any of all, right, these reasons resonate with you the most or had anything to do, it may not, as to why you started therapy. Yeah, I'll go. I just want to say that post um, was so good. And it was like, I think for, it was targeting, it was targeting the Nigerian community. And there was some like script that you wrote in there that was kind of like what we would have heard in our like Nigerian homes. But beyond that, I feel like these reasons speak to the Black community and maybe the Black experience at large. So I feel like a lot of people can relate to it. So I just wanted to point that out. Um, definitely the one that says secrets in the family were the norm. Mm-hmm. I didn't understand the idea of, um, hmm, how do I want to say this? It wasn't until I was 23, my mentor sat me in his office and he said, any so for people who don't know, I started going by any my year by name in college. So I call myself a million different things. Just keep up, baby. It's all me. All right. So <laughs> <laughs> listen. Okay. So he said, any you're too quiet. And I was like, what do you mean? And he was like, mm. you have all these things to say. You have so much to add. Shout out to Brock. I love you. Um, he, you, ha- you have so much to add. You're brilliant. But when we get in a room, blah, blah, when it's an opportunity to speak or share an idea or to lead, you're quiet. I need you to speak up. That's what I need you to do. I need you to use your voice. And I was like, 
Okay. And I literally, I, that was, I was, so that was maybe five years ago. I started a job six months ago and the person who, um, who brought me into the job and kind of took on a, a, a lead role. He was my supervisor. Um, he's the one who hired me and he sat me down and he said, you got to use your voice. Why are you holding back? It is a habit that I, even though a lot of people would meet me and never think, most people think I'm extroverted and I'm always off the wall and all that stuff. I learned to hide within myself. And I learned that hiding was survival. Literally, there are memories I have of hiding behind my bed in my house growing up, that little house that I knew of. So I'd say all that to say secrets were a norm. And I think that's why I needed to go to therapy to break that, that thing. I had to break that off, y'all. And I'm still breaking it off because um, if... <sighs> Because I can never be, I can never live fully. I can never contribute to the to my community. I can never really like experience deep love or vulnerability because when it comes to a moment of having to show up, I hide. That reason really resonated with me a lot, the secrets one. Mm. It's interesting you talked about picking a counselor that you can trust and having healthy expectations. Um, Courtney, before you talk about, you know, if any of those reasons that I mentioned earlier resonates with you, what do you feel like, Mary, for people who are in this beginning phases of picking a counselor? What do you feel like is really important to keep in mind or what was important for you that because you mentioned you having four different ones um, that a counselor must have and what are some healthy expectations? Because I'll be honest, when people call me for consultation, a lot of times it's their first time engaging with anyone yeah. about therapy. And they're reaching out to me specifically because I'm Nigerian and they're hoping by, by the us sharing the same you know, culture that there's a less work that has to be done on their part. But when it usually gets to the part of the consultation, I'm like, oh, and you have any questions for me? Well, mm-hmm. uh, no, mm-hmm. okay. Okay, girl. Well, let me tell you what I think you may want to know what's really important and what my fee is, but (laughs) let me tell you what you got to pay me, (laughs) you know, but people, people don't know. So what do you feel like are some things that people should keep in mind when picking a counselor and um, what are some healthy expectations? Yeah. Okay. So let me start with the expectations part. um, I went into counseling thinking this person is going to help me fix me. And I don't think that's the best mindset to have. Reason being, they just another person. I'm not trying to downplay it, but it's the truth. (laughs) They don't have a special skill set. They are not an Avenger. They are just a person. (laughs) So it's like, what? We calling them out from the shadows to come save us. Like, what? (laughs) So (laughs) so like, I have to be like, listen, like, no T'Challa here. Like, we we are out here. Dami said to me, literally, just, just, oh, I said this earlier. Dami said to me just the other day, like, nobody's, nobody's coming to save you. And so what my counselor said to me, I took that to my counselor. I said, my sister said to me, nobody's coming to save me. And I get it, but dang, like, golly, like, like, that's not what I really wanted to hear. She was like, no, I'm glad she said that to you. I want to echo that, yes, no one's coming to save you, but we are here to support you. And that's the difference. I think that's a healthy expectation to have that your counselor cannot save or fix. Um, You have to do that within yourself, but they support you in getting the skills. And so what it will feel like practically to make that, to break this down, like 
you might go in there and talk a set for a whole session and not leave with an answer key of what you're supposed to do next. But the talking in itself is actually doing something. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I've had to ask my counselor, I'm sorry, what did we even do today? <laughs> I feel like we didn't do anything. Or honestly, I'm tired. Like, I don't get, I'll just be saying, because when I do that, they remind me, this is the journey. This is the vision. This is what happens in your brain when we correct these wrong thoughts about this experience you had. Like all these things are, and so it doesn't feel like anything's happening, but it takes time. Expect it to take time. Expect them to not fix, but to almost translate, help you get the words to make sense of the experiences you've had. So I feel like that's good expectations to have. And then that's like a a big one. And then for me, selecting a therapist, I want to put it out there that I understand. I mean, I'm a social worker at heart, so I'm always thinking about disparity and, you know, people in the margins. And so I understand that everybody can't, um, Courtney mentioned like resources. Like she just, she had got to a point where she had the resources she needed to have a certain level of experience. Like I can't have, me at 22 did not have the resources I have now to have the experiences I have. That's fair. So I know that we are pushing, we are highlighting the importance of looking for someone who, who, who mirrors you and might understand, but you just might not. When I was living in Knoxville, Tennessee, I didn't have that. There was just not black people around period we was holding on to each other like you here because I don't know like what's going on so I feel like um understand that work with what you got if you if you maybe you can't find a person of color does this person when I'm in a session with them do they make me explain everything all the time am I doing the work of having to give context about every little thing in a way that exhausts me am I not willing to do that like I didn't have to do that with my white counselor. I had one um, and I didn't have to do that work. She had experience in black communities in a way that felt safe to me. Not like, anyways, yeah, in a way that felt safe to me. So think about that. Think about um, what Courtney said this, what specific thing do you want to work on? What are your goals for your counseling? Um, So Courtney came in looking for like work around trauma. So when I looked up counselors, I will look at their what's called modalities. Like what mediums do they use? There's different ways they can approach counseling. What media, and I would like look those up and try to understand what they are as best as I can. Or I would just ask them to explain it to me. So one might be like, well, I think that when we correct narratives that changes how you think. Another might be like, we're gonna do these physical practices to change how your body, you know, it's a lot of different things. So look, learn that and then learn people's specialties. I mean, what are your, um, what, do you, what do you focus on? What are your emphasis? Yeah, so the clients that I have, I work on um, perinatal mental health. So that's women who before, during and after pregnancy. So uh, women in motherhood. Um, I also focus on childhood trauma. So a lot of oftentimes it's people who come in, I'm anxious, I'm depressed because of something in my past. So we peel back the layers of their childhood trauma. Um, and also couples. Mm-hmm. So my modalities ranges. So I can do short term kind of like talking about what's happening present moment, give you, you know, possible solutions or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do a lot of mindfulness, a lot of CBT, looking at patterns of behaviors, uncovering that I do guided imagery, especially in un- uncovering childhood trauma, um, and that perspective. Um, so it's a mixture. I don't 
I think a lot of people kind of are like, I am an EMDR therapist, or I'm a this therapist. Mm. I am whatever my client needs in that moment therapist. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That is how I operate. Um, I I have a core set of things that I utilize. And just based on where you are today, because, you know, one time, one day you come in, you talk to them. Another time you come in and we do something really emotionally exhausting. And it's only been 20 minutes. Right. I like, okay. I think we're good for today. <laughs> so let's pause here. Um, so, yeah, that's a little bit about my work in the space. But I wanted to hit, hit, kick it off to Coco. If you can tell us, Coco, of those three reasons based off of that post that I mentioned earlier, <laughs> um, if any of them, again, which of them resonated with you the most? Um, and how did therapy help you overcome it, if at all? Um, religion and prayer fixes everything was one. And also what Mary said about secrets. Mm-hmm. Um, with religion and prayer, I'm not even sure if I'm answering it right, but with religion and prayer, that was the key to how counseling started for my family. Mm-hmm. Um, God will fix it. God will deliver your family. Um, just stay with your husband and he'll see you through. And that is what my mom took. That was the counseling that she had and that's what she stuck with. And that is the reason why I believe that I was in this situation longer than I had to be Mm. because of, um, Christian counseling and saying that God will see you through and just pray over your, your marriage and pray over your family and God will see you through. Um, that actually detoured me from counseling uh, because it didn't work. <laughs> it's not real. It, it didn't hit the nail on the head as far as like getting down to the nitty gritty as to why um, people are actually the way that they are. You know, it just kind of um, guided us through with prayer, which did not work. Um, and as far as secrets, this is hard. This part is hard. I remember um, when the, all of this came out about what happened to me and my sexual trauma, my um, perpetrator's brother came to me and he told me that this happens in everybody's family. It's okay. Um, we don't have to say anything. And, um, and for a long time, I believed that, okay, this is normal. I, I don't have to I don't have to say anything. I don't I don't need help for this because this is what's supposed to happen in every family. And that's not true. And um, I, I didn't learn that it wasn't true. And I didn't learn that it wasn't real until I became an adult um, in my trauma therapy. I had to I had to come to terms with those thoughts and those practices and learn that those were not real for me in order for me to grow. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't learn that until I was, you know, 31 years old that. That's crazy as a sound that this is not normal. This is not true. And everybody's family does not go through this. Um, so I believe that um, when you find a therapist that helps you to plant your feet and allows you to grow, um, listen to them, be open to what they have to say. I would have never known the truth unless I trusted my therapist and listened to her and believed what she said and felt that it was real. Um, I wouldn't be here today without that. No, I think you answered the question really um, perfectly, especially that aspect of like religion and um, being utilized as like almost a weapon. I think Uh uh, they call it spiritual bypassing, like God will fix it, he gonna make a way. Yeah, through this therapist. like a real one um in that perspective i i think 
well, that's a different topic, Christian and therapy. Maybe we'll make that another topic for another day. But um, so for me, as it relates to that, I want to backtrack really quickly here. And as I'm reflecting, I feel like when I spoke earlier regarding like my relationship with therapy, I spoke from more so my journey as a therapist in the profession and not so much my personal experiences. Mm -hmm. I kind of dibbled my toe in there. And as my sisters were talking, I'm thinking, why did I do that? Why did I go that route and not um, kind of go hit the head on the nail? nail? Why ain't talk about I'm supposed to talk about (laughs) (laughs) I got you, girl. We got it. (laughs) And I think, you know, I, I often feel a lot of pressure as a therapist. Mm. Um, I feel pressure because when I think about my journey as a therapy, I was like, wow, you know, I know all of these things in therapy and I speak these modalities and I tell these clients everything, but my journey, Courtney mentioned, you know, 31, almost like 2020, my journey with like true intense therapy started in 2020. That's like two years ago. That's Mm -hmm. two years of the six years that I was licensed. And I think I felt in this moment, or I feel oftentimes it comes up, you know, um, embarrassed or shamed of like, if I am like the person who is advocating for these rights, or I'm seen as like a master, you know, in that space. Right. And I know that's a fallacy, um, then I should have it together. But the reality is I don't. Yeah. And I'm not a master. And that's oftentimes I have to remind myself, even as a therapist in a therapeutic space with a client, you know, Mary said it really well. And just like, I, I'm here to help you. I don't tell you what to do. I'm just here to pr- provide you a perspective, help you know, help help you uh, reframe what you're saying, help you summarize, challenge your thoughts, brainstorm with you, etc. But I can't. I don't do the work for you. But I think for me, um, being that my journey with therapy intensely started in 2020 because I think after college, that one after that one experience I mentioned earlier. I didn't, I didn't go back. Anybody thought two cents about therapy um, until after I got married. Um, and when I got married, that was rough <laughs> as well. Just being like newlywed, trying to understand communication issues. And I went to three different marriage therapy, three different therapists. It wasn't even couples therapy because my husband at that time was, was not willing to go with me. And one of them was Christian based and I would go in there and share the issues. And he was like, oh yeah, that's kind of difficult. Let's pray about it. And I would leave thinking like, well, what am I supposed to do? Help me out. And it was a white man, like, help me out. Like, what is, what is happening? So I was like, whack. And then the other therapist, she just kept commenting on how big my wedding ring was. And she would forget, you know, what we talked about from the previous time. So I was like, okay, this is whack. I ain't doing this. So I kind of like hung it up and was able to kind of, I, I in that instance, right? Um, just kind of focus on self-help. I listened to podcasts. I pulled books. I read, I like did as much as I could on my own to kind of like develop the skills in which I felt like I was lacking in my marriage at that time. But it wasn't until 2020 where I had to get still, I had to get be quiet. And um, as you guys heard in the previous podcast where I shared my story, that's when my journey with therapy took a turn um, and got a little bit deeper. And I am happy and proud of that. It's still a work in progress. I think at that moment, at that time, and, you know, from 2020 through 2021, I was like once a week, every day, you know, in therapy. Now I see my therapist, I've gone through, I've been on my second therapist since 2020. And that's just because of 
insurance changing um, for me. And I go bi-weekly now. And it's it's phenomenal. It's my safe space where I can show up, process still, still some of the things that's going on in my parental relationship, process like my relationships and how I show up as a mom, my work, um, every everything that encompasses me is just my safe space. I feel safe. I need that in order to truly function, um, especially when my anxiety flares up, so to speak. So I think my relationship with therapy has become um, a necessity. It is, I absolutely need it like water. Um, I, I have to have it more than I feel like, uh, you know, how we go to doctors to check on our teeth or to check on our bodies. I, I need to go to my therapist to just make sure my mind is okay. And to kind of divulge in that. So right. I just wanted to make sure that I am sharing my truth. Cause I feel like there'll be also therapists who listen yeah. to this and not feeling ashamed or embarrassed or pressured that you have to have it all together or you know, I should my my clients, you know, shouldn't know that I go to therapy. I think my clients like because I go to therapy, mm-hmm. right? I like going to therapy has allowed me to be a better therapist because I now create space for my clients to show up fully as they are. Um, I decrease so that they can increase in that space. Um, and become more, I guess you could say unbiased, right? Not dealing with counter-transference and things of that nature. So I think every therapist should have a therapist and we, we still work on emotionally regulating and all of those things too. (sighs) Okay, great. That was good. That was good. Okay. So as we're like closing out, um, I want you guys to offer up well, we could do, you could do one of two things. You can offer up advice to someone where therapy is not even a option possibility, be whatever reason, right? Maybe my spouse don't want to go with me. I don't have the funds or resources. Um, my mom won't take me because I'm a minor. I don't know who's going to be listening to this. So offering up for people who literally have a legitimate barrier and cannot go and enter into that space of therapy because it is in some spaces a privilege. Um, Or I want you to share more of what you hope your journey with therapy will take you or what you hope to overcome as you continue to work through some of the things that you um, started in therapy. Can we, when you said offer, offer what, like, like offer advice to them on what to do in the, in the, like, since they can't go. Oh yeah. So like offer up uh, advice, offer up um, uh, resources, like what to do as a result yes okay um for me um i just want to offer up advice on what you can do if you cannot go to therapy um for me therapy is just a form of release so if you cannot go to an actual therapist i know for me when i can't make my appointments or when she's booked i keep journals and um that's a form of release for me and a form of release for you could be something that just allows you the escape of reality for a minute and i have a journal for things that make me happy and things that um are delightful to me and i write that down and then i also have a journal for things that make me really angry 
if there's somebody who I'm upset with and I can't really speak to, or if there's something that I'm not ready to, to release to somebody or share with somebody about how they have wronged me or I feel they've wronged me, I write it down because I can still get it out. I'll sometimes rip those pages up, throw them in the trash, put them in the water, let them dissolve. But I encourage you to find a journal or find, or find someone to talk to just to, just to let that out um, because therapy is just a form of release to, to release anything, um, that makes you happy, that's burdening you. And, um, I encourage you to do that. Mary, come on journaling. I remember when I used to do that, I lived by journaling <laughs> and I really did. And it was so good. This person that I love so much, um, she's a creator named Shan Boudram on Instagram. She's called Shan Booty, she's a sexologist. Um, she has a podcast called Lovers and Friends, and she talks about how um, she uses, she calls them therapeutic mediums. Essentially, it's like, this might not be therapy itself, like Courtney was talking about, but we it's a practice that she's doing with somebody kind of like, um, kind of to create a space to process, even if it's not an official, like I'm sitting down with a therapist. And so I feel like I've done that accidentally with some people that I trust. So for example, uh, just the other week, I didn't ask Courtney to like fix anything for me or, but I was like, hey, I have a question for you. Like I'm processing this thing. I have a question. When you're ready, if you're ready, if you ever be ready, can you <laughs> like tell me where you are with this thing? And we had like a really short chat about it over like voice notes actually. But for me, that was a therapeutic medium because um, it was helping me and also felt like spiritual practice for me as well, because we were talking about spirituality. It helped me process through that thing. So I think having people that you can process with in short form, not necessarily asking them to be your therapist, is something I will offer up. It seems very daunting for me sometimes to do that, but I've found ways to do it that make me feel safe. So if that means I don't disclose everything I'm going through, but I share just a thought I'm having or I tell a story or whatever. I just figure out a way to do it that feels safe. And then I wanna also say that like, I wanna encourage people who might have barriers that like, um, there might be ways, I guess I'm thinking about people who might be struggling with resources. Um, there might be ways to navigate those. Like if you can, don't give up too soon. Um, so like I had a friend, um, who's like a little sister to me who went on, it took several months for us to find like a counselor that could take her insurance. And we had to like do some coaching around like what language to use, how to re request like a sliding scale, like all these different things to get her what she needed. But now she found a match and like, it worked out. She, it, it just took, it took a while. So I just, the journey is long, like revisit it. You know, it might not be like a thing right now, but maybe like come back in a few months, come back in a year and try it again if you can. Um, so just to encourage you, like keep trying if you can, but um, I understand, like I understand. Um, that's all I want to say. Awesome. Okay, so since you guys did the advice for someone, I'll take the latter question, which is where I hope my journey and therapy will propel me. I hope a couple of things. One, by me sharing as a therapist who is in therapy and sharing my story, it will help um, other therapists who are who is doing this work to keep doing the work. 
not only with their clients, but within themselves, because that is the only way we can continue to be better people and help people um, be better versions of themselves. Um, I'm hoping that I continue to um, process and unpack ways in which my trauma that I mentioned in previous episodes has creeped up in different crevices of my life um, and maintain that rhythm and I stay consistent with that. You know, I've talked about in other episodes how I've dissociated a lot. So working on being, continuing to be intentional about being present and mindful in therapy allows me to do that. Um, and that's why it has become a necessity for me. So I am, I, I am grateful for what therapy has done and um, that practice and art will continue to do for me as a professional and um, just as a person. So yeah, there it is. Boom, done. Good job, Daddy.